Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 135 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I got a fellow podcaster on the show. My guest today is Rob Johnston. He is a designer, a photographer, a DJ as well, and he is the host of Meet the Creatives podcast, where he's working on bridging the gap between you know early entry-level designers and some of the industry's best, bringing great knowledge from some of the industry's best creatives. During this episode, we talk about his wild imagination as a child, and uh, all I'll say is it involves a basement, Disneyland, Christmas lights, NASCAR. Boom. We'll leave it at that. Uh, We talk about how small the creative community actually is. You know, him being a podcaster, me being in the podcast game, both connecting with designers and creatives. He then talks about his time at Hershey and why that was an influential time to him and what he learned in that spot. He name drops a bunch of great quotes from guests that he's had on and does a really good job of explaining who the quote's from. Well done, Rob. We talk about a hilarious project that he worked on while he was in school that was a just a fun Photoshop project, just to do something unique and different for him. It wasn't he sort of a class project. It was just something that he created, and it got a great reaction all around campus. We also get into a meeting he was a part of while he worked at AT&T, where he basically put his hand up, stood up, pitched his podcast, and was fired the next day. He tells us about that story and what that was like. We talk about mentors that have helped him out in his design career and sort of his his career path in general, sort of finding his way through this all. We also talk about learning to say no, which is a massive challenge that a lot of creatives and other people have. And then right in the end, he tells us about a project that he's so proud to have been a part of. And it wasn't, you know, a huge name client, a well-paying project or anything like that. It was just a project where he could help somebody close to him create the brand for their restaurant. He talks about what that project is about, what the logos are like, and that he's going to get free food and beer for the social media. Not a bad trade, right? To help out some family and friends. Ladies and gentlemen, there is so much jam-packed in this episode with Rob. We ran a little bit over time of the usual 30-minute quickie, but there you go. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Johnston. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Excited to have you here, man. So I got to ask well, it's you, though. officially afternoon, by the way, in, in New York. But for really? you, it's good morning. This is bright and early for you. Yeah, I'm just getting started <laughs> here. And today is voting day in Canada, so I got to get out and vote later today. Nice. Yeah, we'll do my part. So I got to ask you first. Uh, I got to know if you're committed and you're ready for the quickie. I'm ready. Let's do <laughs> I love it. it. Well, let's start I with talk the- quick. I was born for this. Oh, cool. beautiful. Made, okay, I'm going to, we want to do the fastest episode ever. No, don't okay, do cool. that. Don't do that. Um, briefly tell the listeners about yourself, Rob. 
Cool. So uh, I'm Rob Johnston. I am a 28-year-old photographer, designer. Uh, I have a podcast called Meet the Creatives, which seeks to bridge the gap between entry-level creatives, uh, creative professionals. And by entry-level, it could be at any age. You know, it's one of the things I've learned. Um, you know, seeking to br- I seek to bridge the gap between those people just coming in and the industry's best people at places like Google and Facebook and uh, basically uh, – that's what what I'm up to now, but we can kind of dive into it more. But I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, no, I'm. And you know what? That was a great intro because it sort of gives a snapshot of where you're at now. Before I dive back into the childhood and start the counseling session, I definitely yes. want to sort of dissect the Meet the Creative podcast. Where did that cool. come from? How did you get started with that? Cool. So I uh, I went to a college called Rampo College in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, which was a great school, but one that not too many people knew, and it wasn't you know, SVA or, or Pratt or anything like that. Um, so I kind of felt disconnected from the creative community. I didn't have the best grades. I had a, my dean actually called me in and was like, do you even want to be a designer? <laughs> I was like, of course I want to be a designer. Like, yeah. what? That's so crazy. But yeah, so my dean actually had called me in and was like, you know, do you even want to be a designer? You know, where do you see this going? Your grades don't reflect it. So I kind of had a moment where I felt really disconnected. So I started, uh, actually, well, first I joined the AIGA, mm-hmm. which was a recommendation from Bonnie Blake, what, Bonnie Blake, one of my professors. And um, she told me to get involved in the creative community and you know, that would be a good place to start. So then I went to this Christmas party. Um, I met Debbie Millman, who was a, a person in the podcast space that's very well known, the, uh-huh. you know, the design field. Um, and then I got it in my head, like, you know, I like to talk and I've always kind of wanted to do a show. So just like Debbie, I'm going to do a podcast. Um, in the beginning, I was kind of like a bull in a china shop and all over the place. But uh, I found that people were very kind and generous with their time and uh, kind of was like a snowball effect. I would like meet Debbie and then I would go and talk to Michael Beirut and, you know, do all these things. It started very much so in the design space. Um, and then I kind of freaked out a little bit. I had no idea where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And a great friend and mentor, uh, Lee Mashmeyer, told me to, you know, follow your curiosity. It will never let you down. Um, and I kind of just used that as like a thesis, as a kind of a through line, just, you know, uh, talking to people that I'm interested in. So, um, the podcast is now not only just designers, but people in the entertainment space, social media, um, and it's kind of grown far bigger than I ever have, but I can't stop now. I just, I love it. And, um, you know, my goal is to make real meaningful, tangible change, uh, and for people that are coming up because it's, you know, it's a really competitive and difficult landscape to navigate. You know, I think about myself when I first started my journey, I was so confused and, um, over time, you learn that things kind of just take time uh, and hard work. And, you know, it's like little by little every day. But, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is facilitate nuanced conversations, show that it's possible, show that people are people. Um, and, and you know, have fun along the way. Like I just went totally. to NASCAR recently, like with my mom. And I'm a huge NASCAR fan. And that was all through the podcast. So uh, it's not all academic and it's not all like, you know, like he- like heavy advice sometimes mm-hmm. just kind of light conversations, but above all things, I just want to show that you can communicate with these people. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can learn not to be transactional 
in those moments, um, it could be really kind of meaningful. So totally. And I love how you have it meet the creatives because creatives is a very, you know, open, flexible term where you can expand that into social media, marketing, photography, entertainment, you can expand that into all of those different spaces. So I love what you did there. Um, you know, I'm always amazed at how small the creative community is once you actually get into it. Because, you know, you mentioned Leland Mashmeyer is a, you know, one of the mentors and guys that you connect with. He was on episode 50 and I met him at a conference out here in Vancouver. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah, it really is small. You know, I, one of the things I, I think a lot about is people just coming in, kind of giving them advice and stuff. And uh, yeah, but you got to be very careful because everybody knows everybody. I actually just have a my partner and sponsor, KEH. Um, they are working with the Sasha group in New York city mm-hmm. and we're, you know, we're all going to come together, but you know, they're in Atlanta, Georgia and, and the Sasha group is, I guess, uh, uh, you know, here in New York city mm-hmm. and, um, they knew each other and it was so weird cause I was just thinking to myself like, thank God I didn't start, you know, so it is, <laughs> it is incredibly small. And I, that's one piece of advice I can give today is, uh, you know. Always say nice things about people because you never know who knows anyone. So you just never know, right? Exactly. Um, so, Rob, I'm going to dive back into your childhood now. I want to know what your childhood was like, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career path? My whole life is just trying to get back to my childhood. I swear to God, I, I love my childhood. <laughs> um, my sister and I actually joke around about this because I look at my childhood as like the best of times because mm-hmm. I had. Uh, I had a wild imagination and I can get into that in a second, but you know, my sister has like the, op- my sister is like, mom locked us outside and we never got to come inside, we, you know? So, uh, we always kind of have a running joke about that, that, that my childhood was like leaps and bounds better than my sister who was like right alongside me. So yeah, so I was wildly creative as a child. Um, and they were really great times. I, here's a funny story. So <laughs> There was a, an unfinished basement in my original house, the house that I grew up in. Okay. There was kind of like this, like all the Christmas decorations were down there and all the stuff was down there. And uh, I used to kind of use that as a space in my imagination. I would see things, um, you know, if, I'd be in the, if I was in the basement, I, I would see it as, you know, I was at Disney World. I was doing this thing. And uh, I love the movie Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. It was like my favorite movie ever. And then uh, I loved like utilizing the stuff that was already existing downstairs. So we had all these Christmas decorations uh, and kind of the stars aligned. And I had a little bit of an identity crisis when I was a kid and I would like dress up like Santa Claus and I would uh, in the off season when all the Christmas decorations were downstairs, I literally would turn my basement into the North Pole. (laughs) I would just like put up all the lights and all the ornaments. So in the Johnson household, the Christmas decorations were utilized uh, year round. Perfect. So, and then I went to Disney world and, um, and then I loved like the Peter Pan ride with all like the little cars. So right when we got back from California, I made my basement into like the Peter Pan ride where like I would line up my little matchbox cars and then like the Christmas lights would become like the, um, you know, like the city lights and I would drive around like my big wheel around it and I would make these <laughs> so interactive cool. experiences. Yo, it's so dope. I, I love it. I used to like listen to like the Spice Girls and like eat Jelly Bellies and stuff. I was very much so and I was the epitome of a 90s kid. I really was. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like watching like Nickelodeon and stuff and then going downstairs and, you know, we were, you were talking before about, um, sorry, I was talking before about you know, kind of just following your curiosity. It's mm-hmm. sort of a weird full circle because 
Uh, coming up next week, I have Gene Bethany, who is the VP of uh, Parks and Resorts at Disney World. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to talk to her about that sort of thing. But um, in a way, my childhood has directly affected where I am now. I was also obsessed with NASCAR. I would make like little NASCAR tracks. And, um, awesome. Yeah. So I just I think that when we're children, we have like uninterrupted, unhindered creativity. And then through like conditioning and through the world around us, um, we get either like embarrassed or ashamed of it or, you know, just too busy with school. Um, But I I personally believe that, you know, that we are all born creative and and it's our, you know, it's our responsibility if we want, you know, if we want to, to tap back into that. Such a great way of saying that, you know, the journey to try and get back to your childhood. Yeah, I was way cooler when I was like <laughs> way cooler. Dude, yeah. when you said that you loved sort of setting up NASCAR tracks when you were a kid, I had this one sort of NASCAR stock car style racetrack. Do you remember back in like the nineties where they had the the racetracks where you put the cars in like the little channel and it's, yes. it's you plug it in and then you got the little triggers and you pull mm-hmm. the triggers and they race around the track and you go too fast, they fly off, but you go with right speed and you can really get going. Yes. Dude, I love those. And about three years ago, we were at a thrift store here with my kids and uh, I saw one. So I bought it. And for like four days until it died, the kids and I loved this thing. We just played with this little stock car track. It was so cool. That's amazing. I still love those kind of things. And, you know, setting up Hot Wheels tracks with loops and up the walls and stuff. Oh, yeah. Love that. Just this past summer in in Long Beach Island, I was with my uh, nephew Dylan and I was teaching him how to build... Uh, like a NASCAR track we were at the beach and like we made like an infield and stuff like that and um, I used to love like making like the little like garage area and stuff like that and uh, he was looking at me like how do you know how do you know like how do you know how to do this I was like you don't understand (laughs) I'm secretly waiting for a child so that I can live vicariously (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah so when I went there and I saw it in person you know I just went with uh, Chris Littman got us VIP tickets to go me and my mom and my mom had never been to a NASCAR race but uh I actually got to go on pit road. So that was so a real cool. dream come true. surreal moment. Cause I just remember being a kid, just like, like making the noise. <laughs> yeah. And next, you know, I'm like there, like right on the pit box with, you know, that's so like cool. they were coming in for a pit and like hopping over the wall. And I was on like the other side of the wall. Sorry. I'm obsessed with NASCAR. That's awesome, man. Cause in a previous life I was an auto mechanic. So I did the auto mechanic and that was my original career path. Um, nice. crazy story on how it all changed that I'm not going to get into right now, okay, but cool. basically <laughs> I love cars still, still to this day. So hearing like the excitement of NASCAR and I've had a ton of experience going through, you know, the drag strip pit alley, you yeah. know, where they're all cleaning up and stripping down these smoking hot drag engines and rebuilding them in like 30 minutes. It's just insane. Love it. That's so cool. Guess I'll have to refer you to uh, Chris Littman. He's the director of social, social strategy at NASCAR. All right, I want to tap into your design side a little bit here. And I want to ask you then, Rob, what has been one of the most influential designs of your life so far? What's something that has just really stuck with you? It's, it's weird. So I recently started like collecting on – I'm the sort of like a hoarder, not in, in the physical sense. I mean I had like a lot of tchotchkes and stuff like that. But um, it was kind of early on in my design journey. I spoke with uh, – I think it was actually episode one of Meet the Creatives. I spoke with Sean Adams and he did like the Nickelodeon logo mm-hmm. um, and everything like that. Um, you know, tying it in with NASCAR, that's kind of where I got that uh, that love for brands. Like mm-hmm. paint schemes like would later on become brands. And then, you know, 
then the it, it all kind of ties to, like my childhood it all kind of ties perfectly together um you know talking about being a 90s kid and then interviewed the the guy who made the Nickelodeon flat logo but Sean Adams had kind of put it in my head about expanding my visual vocabulary and being aware um of what is out there what already exists about design history about color about the nuances of colors even in between shades and stuff so um you know, I've done, got to work on a lot of cool things. I worked, and we're in the show right now. I worked on Hershey for a while uh, under Ron Burridge. Um, and Ron's and, over and, at Pepsi now, right? Yes, over at Pepsi. Yeah, and uh, Ron had actually um, worked at Disney World before that, and that was kind of our when we had him on the show. We kind of talked about a similar conversation. So um, I didn't work with Hershey for that long, but the work that I did for them was really meaningful. And, you know, Ron and uh, Faye and Desiree, you know, all the people at Hershey, uh, that was a really great experience. And um, while I wasn't there for that long, and I guess it probably didn't seem like that big of a deal, to me, it was a huge deal to, to be there and to um, to be able to work on that brand. I still really, really love Hershey. So, you know, from a branding standpoint, I loved working on Hershey of probably all the clients I've worked on. Um, that was probably my favorite, just realizing the equity that it had and the great responsibility. Um, that's something that I really took a lot of pride in. Um, but you know, getting back to that thing I said about Sean, I've always been trying to collect logos new and old and, um, kind of exploring different graphic styles and composition and stuff like that. And I'm at a place now where I have all, I have a, my skill set is finally getting somewhere significant, but at the same time, though, I feel like I'm just at the the foot of my journey, mm-hmm. and much of my des- my um, journey as a designer was a lot of trial and error, and you know, getting booted from freelance gigs and stuff like that, and that really stoked the fire for Meet the Creatives because I knew that if I could be so verbose and so crazy, and you know, getting out there and meeting people, um, that a lot of people probably felt even more scared. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I love design. I, I think it's great. It's something I think about a lot. I also love photography. Admittedly, right now, photography is kind of taking um, taking a precedent over that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I love working on iconic brands, but I also lo- like making meaningful change mm-hmm. to the people that are around me. And, you know, I get just as much joy. Like I just made a, a logo for a, a good friend of mine. Uh, Kieran, um, and he's opening up a, a new bar and, you know, we were coworkers for a while and I put my blood, sweat and tears into that project. And, um, you know, that was just as when I got to roll that out and see how it was going to affect their business. And, you know, now it's going on windows and going on glasses, you know, that for me is just as rewarding. So, um, I think that sometimes people give too much credit about like logos and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. I think really it's the intent behind the design and you know how the execution of it all. So I don't get caught up too much in like the mumbo jumbo of like you know, like design thinking and all the semantics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, a you know a great idea is a great idea, um, and you know people know it when they see it. So that's what I'm always trying to do when I'm designing um, and trying to infuse all of the the little bits and pieces of like who I am into my design. So. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love the way you said that. Yeah. A great idea is a great idea. I like yeah. that. I like that quote. That, that's from Joanne Chan. She's the uh, CEO at Turner Duckworth, which is one of my favorite branding agencies. That's probably one of my favorite podcasts I did. Um, but she was kind of just talking about like how 
You know, people try and make it like they don't know what a great idea is, but like, you know what a great idea is. And, you know, like the Amazon, like with a smile logo, it's just mm -hmm. like flawless. You know what I mean? And it just, it, it just works. So um, I think that people try and make design more complicated than it is. And sometimes it's just a brilliant solution. Well executed, I think can be really, really good. And then, you know, what the brand does around that. It's like an expect expectation around an experience. Yeah, that's, that's a big part. You know, one of my previous guests, uh, Matthew from Subplot, a few episodes ago, had said, um, you know, design is great and making things look good is great, but design can't save everything. If right. you don't have, you know, the business portion in place and rock solid, you don't have that set up, design isn't going to save you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. And I think that... It'll um, just look great while going down. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. For well, sure. I, I think it was Debbie Millman who said that, um, that, you know, if your airplanes are falling out of the sky, no one's going to care what the logo on the wing says. And I think that's that's pretty good, too. So. Oh, definitely. That's exactly yeah. the same thing, for sure. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. That's cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Rob, I want to ask you a little bit about print in your design career, in your photography, in your creative career so far. Um, okay. How are some of the ways that you have utilized print? And do you have any stories or experiences with print? Not a whole bunch. Not nearly as much as I should. I, I, I've been fortunate enough through the podcast to go to some pretty cool like letterpress studios and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, honestly, from a financial standpoint, I, I was always kind of like reinvesting in like my DJ and, you know, I wanted to get like big printers and stuff like that. But I'm also a DJ on the side, um, but but now I'm kind of coming around to it. Uh, but in college, though, I remember I would I would get in trouble for like printing too many things, um, and I, I found very quickly at an early age about the, like the power of print and posters. And I just love personally, I just love 11 by 17. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's kind of like it's very like college. It's very like shoot from the hip sort of thing. Uh, and one time, my first real experience with with print was they had these great printers that were very expensive and um but they were always like somehow broken or whatever but the one day they were working classic yeah and uh i was so burnt out in college that i was just so tired of doing these nonsense projects where like they it was i knew it was not going to like affect anything so mm -hmm. uh i stayed until like 2 a.m photoshopping a picture i put like I took the Apollo, like the Apollo 13 astronauts, and then I Photoshop, like I was, I was, I was like learning about clipping masks and stuff, and then I Photoshop like Leonardo DiCaprio's face as like the main astronaut, and then like Bradley Cooper, and then I think Mark, <laughs> Mark uh, Wahlberg was the other one, uh, and it looks so real. And my friends are like, "This is amazing. You should print this and put this all over the school." Uh, so I did, and I would like, li I literally took like 35 different 11 by 17 pictures of all these actors just illegally ripped off the internet. Uh, and I just like put that all around my school for no reason. Um, and, That's the thing. It gets a reaction. It does yeah, something, right? People, people loved it. I didn't even get in trouble. I wasted so much ink. Uh, I still have the picture somewhere. It's really good. To this day, I don't know how I do it. I, I, I was probably doing it so like destructively. Like I don't even know if I knew like, you know, like white reveals and black and seals, like clipping masks. I had no idea. All I know is that I nailed the execution of it and printed it and threw it all over my school like Regina George at the end of Mean Girls. Yeah. Rob, you know I, I, mean? I, I need to see this. I need to see this poster. You got to send me a oh, picture. I got to awesome. I, I found it on a hard drive recently somewhere. It's a cherished memory. And if you ask <laughs> any of my friends from design school, they'll say that was like the greatest thing that ever happened. 
because it was for no you know it was for no reason just other to make people laugh and smile and i think that there's a a design lesson in there somewhere so that's cool yeah Okay, so the next couple of questions I have for you, Rob, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes and learned some oh, lessons. Oh, here we go, baby. I got them all. And we're going to get into the goods now. Um, okay. I want to pull those out. I want to share those with the listeners, and then we'll spin it, and we'll end in a happy place. Okay, cool. Um, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? Oh, man. Well, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, I'm hesitant. When I first started the show, it was like, I had it in my head like, okay, like I have this and I'm going to share my story and I'm going to share how I've been wronged and about how, you know, like this is not fair and the industry doesn't care and we're focused on awards and we should be focused on like teaching and mentoring. But it's funny, as you, as I've gotten older, my tune has changed a little bit because I feel like people want, people leave school and they're in this like structured thing where there's guidance and people are pushing you and um, you know, you're stretching all the notions of who you think you could be. There's a lot of ego involved in that. Um, but then when you get into the real world, you get your ass kicked and <laughs> you get fired from jobs. Uh, I think I had like six freelance jobs, I think five or six freelance jobs in a row that didn't last longer than like, th- I think like three weeks, three, four weeks was like my record, which is insane. Um, and so those are definitely difficult and trying times. Um, and there are a whole bunch of stories about doing embarrassing things. Like when I worked at at and I like raised my hand in like some big corporate meeting and started like soliciting my podcast essentially. And then like the next day got fired. Like my boss was like, <laughs> like, was like taking care of like a sick kid and came back into work the next day. Like what the fuck happened? Like what happened? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really embarrassing. You know, I've had a whole bunch of stuff like that happen. Um, there are no shortage of stories of failure and falling flat on my face or, you know, not having the skills, but almost all of it, you know, including the thing a huge was, um, of my own doing. And I think that as designers, we need to realize that, you know, it's not, no one's going to hold your hand. And these are, you know, we go to these conferences and we have these big altruistic talks about design thinking and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it is a business and, um, you have to be in fighting shape and you have to be uh, a practitioner, if you will, about mm-hmm. about what you're doing and, and take it seriously and be irreplaceable. Um, and, you know, for most of the jobs, I probably just got what I had coming to me. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't want this podcast to ever be something about like, woe is me. Like I see sometimes people will start podcasts and they'll be on like episode like 13 and then they'll like have like, special episode about like why it's not working out i think it's it's all predicated on the work and like what you're doing so Mm -hmm. um while my story is filled with failures uh that does not make me unique um that does not make me special uh but in but at the same time though it it makes me belong because a lot of people are in that position and Mm -hmm. everyone that i've talked to no matter how big has one story about just completely eating it uh, multiple times, you know, mm-hmm. some of the most successful people were, you know, quote unquote failures until they were 30, 40 years old mm-hmm. and kind of turned it around. Like I remember I reached out to, I recently had dinner with, um, with Brian Collins, who is a huge mentor to me. And, you know, Brian worked with like Steve jobs and has had a really six still to this day, you know, has a really thriving and successful branding agency. 
And I just, I remember like, like uh, this is all not working out. Like what the fuck? Like how many times is this going to happen? Like I thought I was like past this. Um, and you know, he explained about like where he was at my age and about, you know, kind of that he was in essentially like the exact same kind of position that I was, you know, mm-hmm. really worried, really concerned. Um, and that, you know, that good people don't slip through the cracks. It's all predicated on the work. So I think so, I just said the same, same thing 19 times. Feel free to chop that down. No, no, no. <laughs> so what I'm pulling out of this and what I loved how you sort of explained many different perspectives of it and the same, sort of the concept that I'm getting out of it is you're going to fall. You're going to eat it. You're going to be punched in the face throughout your journey in your career. And the yeah. point of that is learn from it and don't stop. Yeah, don't dwell on it. There's no mm-hmm. like – you're not going to change anything. You know what I mean? Like it didn't work out. It's not the job I anticipated it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't put forth any more energy into it than that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it's so I think that we should be more as designers and creative professionals. I think that we should be more patient and more kind to ourselves and realize that it's, it's going to take longer than we want it to, but that's how life works. Um, and to, you know, just be easy on yourself. Sometimes you're just not ready for a job. And, you know, a lot of times the biggest L's of my career were the biggest learning, um, no pun intended, were the biggest, uh, you know, learning moments of my life. You know what I mean? That thing at AT&T was like super embarrassing, but I learned a very valuable lesson to, to do, you know, and then I had like my friend, she was like, don't, uh, there's an old like Chinese like proverb about like not showing your sword. And, um, and that essentially means like, even if you have like the power to like yield your sword, you keep it away and like, you kind of go forward like humbly and you're, you're not always trying to like, you know, uproot yourself and make things go faster than they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was that time, there was a time where my friend Faye, where I kind of overstated the work that I was doing at Hershey. And, you know, we had a great, um, conversation where she, had talked about how it's kind of like a marathon. It takes longer than you're going to want it to. Um, the thing I'd say is in those moments of unconditional advice, whether or not you have the humility to listen, to not only actually listen to them, but to act on that, uh, those are the moments in my life that really have propelled my career further. Um, so, you know, sometimes tough love, you know, I wouldn't put too much pride in it because. Sometimes the humility is really what allows you to to grow, to learn and grow. That's so good, so well said. That um, <laughs> man, I my, talk to a lot of people who are very well spoken. A lot of this is just like stuff that people have said. I just want to say, you know, for sure, no, definitely, and you're uh, you're doing a good job of sort of assigning like the quotes on who they belong to. But yeah, yeah, um, I've been kind of slipping them in there. Yeah, you know, hearing from your experiences and you know putting your hand up in a meeting and then being fired the next day, like some of the stories that you said, like I felt in my gut. Yeah. basically what you would have felt in the moment. So so embarrassing. Yeah, embarrassing. But like you said, you, and you're really... Also, like I hate AT&T, so like good riddance, you know? <laughs> you, <laughs> you really brought it full circle by saying, you know, you got to listen to these moments, listen to these mentors, and learn from these experiences. And that's really the core of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm never going to get another job after this, but it's okay, though. I think at this point I have... Uh, I have landed on you know what's funny real quick though yeah. about all all this stuff is now there was so much turbulence sometimes like that turbulence and like that you know like constantly missing the mark is like a sign from the universe and uh right now i'm just working with keh as a sponsor and um you know potentially some other people 
uh, coming up in the near future. But, you know, it kind of led me to entrepreneurship and pursuing the podcast. So uh, there is a silver lining. I think that every one of those, every single one of those things, no matter how bad they are, there is a silver lining and a lesson to be learned. So definitely. Um, Rob, what's something you're struggling with in your career right now? Um, <sighs> saying I've learned to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And now I need to learn to say no. So when I first started out, I said, yes, I took on everything. I, you know, every opportunity that came like a live event in Long Island, like in the, like a place you've never been before, such a risky thing. And I said, yes, and I made it happen and that feels good. But, uh, now I'm in a place where I got to learn to say, to say no a little bit more, not just in saying no, like turning down opportunities, but just, you know, like negotiating contracts and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, not always doing like free work. I've, I've always been a big proponent of like free work. And now I'm kind of like, I've done that a little bit too much. Now I'm like the kind of go-to guy and I have to have some awkward conversations with, with like, you know, friends and relatives mm-hmm. about how I'm uh, closing up shop for, you know, Rob's free graphic design studio. <laughs> well, people like exposure, exposure. I'm like, yeah. I'm past exposure. I'm yeah. not doing exposure anymore. It's over. For sure. You can't pay yeah. bills with exposure. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that like, I like to be, you know, my dad is a, and this is kind of where the public speaking thing comes from. My dad is actually like a, a pastor, like a Protestant, like minister. Uh-huh. Um, and he is sort of a, a shepherd. And I am very much so that way. Um, and I've had some of my friends, you know, like Matthew Searcy and stuff, point that out. And at first, when I first left school, I thought that was like a bad thing. And now as I get older, I'm happier that I am that way. Um, but I don't want to be too much of, you know, I'm also not like Mother Teresa. and need to, you know, pay bills as you say so. Definitely. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to turn it around. I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm really excited about that 1840 project that I'm doing with my friend Kieran. Um, you know, when I was growing up as a, and this is just kind of to, I think this actually really illustrates that it's not all about marquee names and working on big accounts. Cause I think that a lot of young creatives have that in their head. Like I have to work on at and I have to work on Hershey. Mm-hmm. Like those are cool, but a lot of times it wasn't my hand, so to speak, but I mean, it, w- it was, but it was like, you know, using existing assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really found that to, uh, create a visual identity system. It'll all be coming out very soon. Um, the restaurant has not yet opened yet, so I'm kind of like waiting to roll everything out. But, you know, my friend Kieran, he was a, a partner and like the boss kind of at this place that I DJed at and I was kind of like raised at this place O'Malley's. It's kind of like, you know, the uh, picturesque Irish bar that people always talk about. You know, it's like kind of like, um, it was like a real... Like and my youth was like a real like spiritual homeland sort of thing, even though I was DJing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know some stuff happened, and uh, he, for whatever reason, there was you know that some other partners got involved, and he kind of got like pushed out of that. And I remember I was devastated because I felt like in a way it was like that I I did too. And you know uh, over the past couple of years, Kieran's been making some moves and putting together this new restaurant, uh, the 1840 Tavern, and. Uh, They've renovated it, and I just I I didn't I charged no money for this project, and it was so meaningful because it was just so great because he's a great guy who kind of got screwed over a little bit, and then now here you know just, 
he just kind of stuck to his guns and now is opening this beautiful re- new bar and restaurant that will be so great for him and his family. Mm-hmm. And when I designed the project, there is um, – so the original logo was like a horse-drawn carriage and there was this kind of like scrappy little horse and that's like a carriage and um, I put in the carriage. So originally there's like two people inside the carriage and you can't really make them out. And then inside the carriage there is um, – I changed it. So there's uh, – so it's his, his wife. His daughter. So there's like a, a lady with like a feather, and then his daughter looking out the window, and then he's looking out like the other window. Uh, and his father in law, who's the other partner, is kind of like uh, pulling the carriage and then like using the horse. And it was when I got to share that with them um, and kind of say about how that was like, a, you know, to symbolize their new journey going mm. forward. You know, you think about like somebody in like a horse drawn carriage, like, fuck, that's so scary to think about. Um, and I kind of, I think it symbolizes kind of where, uh, they're heading and, and kind of embarking on a new endeavor. So for me, that was really cool. And, you know, as a designer, you always bake in some bullshit strategy about, you know, like why, you know, this, this this is an optimistic orange, you know, or, or whatever. But, uh, to do something like that, that was kind of sentimental, uh, and, and really meaningful to both Mm -hmm. to me and, and the client was really kind of cool. So I'm excited about that. And, um, I think going forward this year, I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff with the podcast, but I'm really excited to build out that identity. And, um, you know, it's been a long, I spent many, many nights working on identities and logos and stuff like that, that, you know, just kind of crinkling up a piece of paper and throwing it out, crinkling up a piece of paper, you know, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was one of the rare times where the project I think worked out really great and I'm excited about it and I can't wait to share it with everybody. So, Very cool. um, and then the podcast obviously is going well, but you know, that's neither here nor there. We're on the design <laughs> podcast. <so. laughs> nice, yeah. I love it. Little name drop there. That's cool. When yeah. does the when does the tavern officially open? I think next month. I drove past it the other day. They still have to do some some more stuff. But uh, if you're ever in New York, I'm, I, well, I'm actually out in the suburbs, so I'm, that's going to be in Rockland County. So I'm about about an hour outside New York City. Mm-hmm. I grew up around here and uh, lived in Montclair for a minute, but now I'm back, so it'll be good. Very, I'm cool. excited. I'm going to do social media for free food and beer. I love which it. Which is fine. Absolutely. Got to eat. That I will say yes to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob, you cool. reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's where I have a guest or a question for you from my previous guest. And you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going okay, to tell you who they are, but you can ask okay. them anything. All right. So my last guest was Steve Raboyne from Raboyne Design Co. out in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. So he wanted to ask you, and it's in the realm of music, what is that band? And I'm really excited to hear what your answer is because you're that 90s guy. Yeah. Um, what is that band that society hates and just can't stand, but you love? John, <clears throat> sorry, John Mayer. I love John Mayer. Amazing. I feel like now he's more popular, but originally it was kind of like a... Uh, like, yeah. you know, people think like your body is a wonderland. And I was just going to say back in the, your body is a wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. Back he's kind of graduated to being a little bit cooler and older and more reserved. Yeah. Um, maybe that, I don't know. John Mayer is pretty damn popular though. Wait, what was, what was the question? One more time. I'll make sure I got it right. Yeah. What is that, uh, band or artist that society hates, but you love? Okay. So society definitely does not hate John Mayer and he's got like millions and millions of followers. So let's see. Um, Society hates, but you love. 
I love really like old music. I like, you know, like that scene in the end of The Shining where they're all like around and they're out. It was like nineteen like thirty two, like the Overlook Hotel and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like he like lived another life. I feel like I have that. Sometimes I go downstairs. And this is really embarrassing, but I'm just gonna share it. Sometimes, like, I could just go downstairs in in my garage, and I just like dance to like old music by myself. That sounds so weird. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> well, I'm an MC, so I have to kind of like you know familiarize myself with like music and stuff like that. But uh, strategic I, purpose. Yeah, I love old old music that people would probably in my generation might think is too slow. I don't think that they like society hates them, but you know, like Nat King Cole. Yeah. I just love that, like, that's why, darling, it's incredible. Like, I just, I love that kind of music. Yeah. I'm very, I'm hopelessly, hopelessly nostalgic in that way. I love I it. think that has grandparents. They really impose a lot of music on me. Um, I love that. I find that I'm very eclectic myself. I love old stuff. I love, um, you know, the same kind of thing as you, you know, the Nat King Cole stuff, some of that classic stuff, especially around the holidays, man. You can't beat those, oh, like, Nat King Cole yeah. Christmas albums, right? Full disclaimer, yesterday, so today's October 21st. Yeah. Yesterday, I listened to, I busted it out. It's, it, I have the, uh, I recently got title, by the way, PSA, paying it, talking about pay, paying it forward. Uh, so I had Spotify, but I recently got uh, title for, okay. you know, like Jay Z's title. Yeah. It's, it's like Spotify sort of thing. Um, for DJing, I got like the high fidelity, like master recording, like with the Bose headphones. Uh, underrated is listening to the, like those records in hd because when you hear things online they're compressed like an itunes even an itunes it's compressed uh uncompressed music with like headphones like that is is really kind of great so i forgot I what i was going to say no that's awesome <laughs> man um yeah. rob what is your ask it forward question man ask it forward question what is if you're going this is going to be crazy but if like if you know they always say about like the electric chair, like like your last. I don't know why this is getting like a dark turn here, but, but like you know they say like your last meal, like the last thing you can have. Mm-hmm. What is that going to be? Okay, I think about this all the time for some weird reason. What's your last? I'm a very morbid person for somebody who's like <laughs> listening to Nat King Cole and dressing up like Santa Claus. I could also be pretty uh, morbid like that, but yeah, Dude, this podcast is fun. This what? is amazing. Good. What's your last meal? My uh, mine. Um, I guess it would be some South Carolina barbecue. I was amazed, amazed at how good the food is in the Carolinas. Uh, I'd heard about it all along. I didn't even think that I liked barbecue because barbecue in New York kind of sucks. It's always like very like heavy and like overly sauced. But um, yeah, like a good pulled pork sandwich with like crunchy old coleslaw on top. I don't know. My taste in uh. Yeah, I'm all over the place, but that'd yeah. probably be it. Or yeah. maybe, That's or awesome. Hall Steakhouse from South Carolina too. Oh, okay. I vote South Carolina for be- so far best food in the in the United States. South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Yes, I went to Charleston for my buddy's bachelor party, mm-hmm. and we ate our way through South Carolina and had PBRs, and it was fantastic. And I can't wait to go back. Um, I don't even South Carolina like wasn't even necessarily that cool, but like. Damn, the food was good. Food made it all worth it. Just think about it. Can you tell that I have not had breakfast yet? <laughs> well, it's lunchtime there, Rob. Um, that's the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Love I really it. appreciate it. I'll come back anytime you will have me. Awesome. See you in about half an hour. All right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. I actually did not see Rob in half an hour. That was just a joke, you know, just jokes. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to Meet the Creatives podcast, go check it out now. You know, scroll through, pick out a couple of episodes of designers that you really want to hear from, and uh, and give it a go. Meet the Creatives. It's a great show. Rob does an awesome job over there. If you have 30 or 60 seconds and you have not left a rating or a review on iTunes for the Quickie Podcast, please head over and do that now. That would be fantastic. Thanks. Talk to you tomorrow.